Take our Bibles tonight to the book of Ephesians. We're continuing our series Sunday nights in the book of Ephesians. And as we came to chapter 5, we're looking at Paul's challenge to walk in wisdom and to follow the example of our Lord Jesus Christ. In chapter 5 and verse number 1, he says, Be therefore followers of God as dear children. And uh, again, that word follower has the idea of mimicking and following and uh, imitating. And God's desire is that we are to follow his example. And uh, we saw that we are to uh, be filled with the Spirit and the examples of being filled with the Spirit in verses uh, 19 down to verse number 21. But then uh, talking about having a uh, Spirit-filled home and uh, walking in the Spirit. And the evidence of that is a wife that is in submission to her husband, uh, a husband that loves his wife as Christ loved the church, uh, children that are in obedience uh, to their parents, right? And so we were looking at this walk in wisdom in the home. And uh, then as we come to chapter 6, notice in verse number 5, he's continuing this topic of walking in wisdom, but now Uh, He brings it outside of the home. Now it's not just dealing with the home and the husband, the wife, and the children, but now it's outside of the home. And he says in verse number five, servants, be obedient to them that are your masters according to the flesh, with fear and trembling and singleness of your heart as unto Christ, not with eye service as men pleasers, but as the servants of Christ doing the will of God from the heart, with good will doing service as to the Lord and not to men. Knowing that whatsoever good thing any man doeth the same shall he receive of the Lord, whether he be bond or free. And ye masters, do the same thing unto them, forbearing, threatening, knowing that your master also is in heaven, neither is there respective persons with him. Now this is a really interesting passage here because we're going to be looking at this as uh, Paul talks about walking in wisdom and really kind of what I'm titling it is kind of on the job, Right? Walking in wisdom on the job, and we're going to be dealing with uh, both the employee and employer, but to really keep in context here and to realize that um, even talking about what he's referring to here with uh, an employee and employer relationship is really um, a whole lot better than what he's actually talking about here in this passage, right? Um, Notice the first word that he uses in verse number five, servants. Right? Do you know what the word servant means? Servant. <laughs> right? It means servant. Okay? And then you notice at the end of verse number seven, he says, Knowing that whatsoever good thing any man doeth, the same shall he receive the Lord, whether he be bond or free. Bond servant, right? There were bond servants, there were free servants. When you think about the time period that uh, Paul is writing in, of course, Roman, or the Rome was the governing body or the, the world empire at this time, and so everything was under Roman rule. And Rome had, the, the Romans had slaves. So when he talks about servants here, he's not just talking about somebody that has a job, but he's talking about these are real slaves. And he shows us this at the end of verse number seven there, he, or verse number eight, he talks about a bond servant. There are bond slaves and there are free servants, free slaves, okay? Um, And so he's dealing with this subject of those who are literally slaves in Rome. Um, It is estimated during this time that half the population of Rome itself was slaves. 
That's a lot of slaves, right? And, of course, as they had conquered the world, they would take slaves and things. And, uh, and please understand, we're not, we're not condoning slavery. That's not what Paul is saying here. But he's writing to Christians who were slaves, those that had been slaves and they had accepted Christ as their Savior. So now, as a, as a Christian slave, what, what were they supposed to do, right? How is a, a slave that is a Christian, what are they supposed to do to someone who is their master who may not be a Christian, right? What is, what is their responsibility here in how they are to live their life? And so this is what Paul is, is really this is who he's really talking about. And obviously, we can, we can thank the Lord that, especially in, in our society today and most of the world, we've come to uh, understand that slavery is not a good thing, okay? Um, but we can apply this to what we would say, as I mentioned before, on the job, having employee and employer relationship, okay? And so when he thinks, when, again, so if you think, man, well, you just, <laughs> you just don't understand my job or you don't understand, well, just think about the context here. Right? We're talking about real slaves. And at this time, who had no rights, uh, there, was, there was nobody they could go to to appeal their rights or, or anything like that. These were, these were real slaves. Okay? Um, and so think about what Paul is saying to these, uh, these believers. Right, and, and so notice what he says. He says, Servants, be obedient to them that are your masters according to the flesh, with fear and trembling and singleness of heart as unto Christ. So again, it's important to understand here, Paul recognizes there are two spheres in this, right? Did you notice that in verse number six here, uh, or in verse number five, as he speaks about this? He says, you're to be obedient to those that are your masters according to the what? Flesh, right? So there's a physical aspect of it, right? There's a physical aspect that he's speaking of. But then he says, with fear and trembling and singleness of heart as unto Christ, so there's a spiritual aspect of this as well, okay? So again, Paul is recognizing that many of these believers who are in slavery, they just can't go to their master and say, oh, by the way, I'm a Christian now, so I'm out of here. Uh, do you know what could have happened if they would have done that? Death. They could have been put to death. Or they could have been put to some other type of slave trade or something like this. In fact, again, as we mentioned before, um, uh, I think it was a couple weeks ago, we talked about how the believers during this time were so greatly persecuted that they would be taken, Christians would be taken to the Colosseums, and basically they would be put in with these, uh, these wild animals that they had starved and just let loose, and these animals would just rip these people apart. How they would take Christians and they would uh, have them uh, tied to stakes and douse them with oil and light them uh, and use them as, as street lamps at night. Do you understand the severity of the situation that they're in here, right? And so Paul is recognizing this and saying, look, I understand this is not an ideal situation, but there is still something that God has for you, right? There is still something that God wants for you. And so this is, what he's, this is what he's speaking about here tonight, right? And, and so let's kind of break this down. And verse number five to eight deals with the employee. And then really, there's only one verse that really deals with what we would say uh, the employer or as Paul talks about the masters there. But let's just kind of go through this a little bit and see what, what is God's desire 
for, for you and I in the workplace. Now, some of you may be retired, and that's great. And you're like, hey, I'm glad I don't have to punch a clock anymore, and I'm glad I don't have to go in at 8 o'clock or 7 o'clock or uh, stay till 5 or 4 or whatever. And you'll be like, hey, man, this does not apply to me, so I'm just going to check out. I'm going to get my nap that I didn't get this afternoon, okay? Uh, don't do that, all right? Because even though you may not be working, you may be retired, or maybe even you're, maybe you're a stay-at-home parent, right? And you're like, well, I don't have a job. I just I stay at home and uh, I take care of the kids. By the way, that is a major job right there, okay? Um, right? And so, but, so don't think, well, I don't, this isn't, doesn't have anything to do with me. I believe it still does with everybody. This still has to do with every one of us, okay? So let's look at a couple of things that he speaks about here. First of all, he says, servants, be obedient to them that are your masters. So again, notice, first of all, this is not something, this is not a suggestion, right? This is not a suggestion. He's not saying, well, if you like your master, do you think any of them really like their masters? You think any of these slaves, do you think any of them really were like, boy, I just can't wait to go to work tomorrow and see what my boss has for me to do. I mean, this is just going to be so great because I'm a slave. I don't think there was an excitement to it. But Paul is saying, look, this is something that God has for you. You are to be obedient to your masters, okay? God, God is saying this. This is, this is not a suggestion. This is a command. Be obedient to them that are your masters according to the flesh, right? So again, he's dealing with the physical aspect of it. Now, can I say this, right? And, and this is kind of what I think Paul is alluding to here. He says, as unto Christ, Right? So just as the, the wife is to be submissive to the husband as unto the Lord, just as the husband is to love the church as, or to love his wife as Christ loved the church, just as children are to obey their parents in the Lord, all of it goes back to God first, right? So again, the, the wife is going to, to, to submit to her husband as unto the Lord, right? The, the husband is going to love his wife as Christ loved the church, so the, the ultimate authority here is not the husband to the wife. The ultimate authority is not the, 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 the wife to the husband. The ultimate authority is not the parents to the children. The ultimate authority here is Christ. That's what we have to understand here. Christ is the ultimate authority, right? So therefore, a wife is going to respond in a way that is honoring to Christ. Uh, a husband is going to love in a way that is honoring to Christ. Children are to obey in a way that is honoring to Christ, servants are to obey as unto Christ. And this is what Paul is really trying to help them understand. Look, he understands that most of their masters are not saved. He gets that, right? He understands that most of the slaves are not, that they're, they're not owned by, by good people, most of them. Now, there may have been a few, but for the most part, they were not good. And yet, what is Paul saying? You are to obey them, but here's the catch, right? As unto Christ, right? Again, in every area, God puts a boundary, right? There is a boundary that God puts, okay? Right, yes, the husband is the head of the home, that is true, but there is a boundary to that. The husband is to never ask his wife to do something that would not be pleasing to the Lord, right? The, the, the children are to be obedient to the parents, but the parents should never have their children do something that would not be pleasing to the Lord, 
right? If a husband wants his wife to do something that is not pleasing to the Lord, guess what the wife has the, the right to say? No. Well, she can't do that. She's supposed to be submissive. As unto the Lord, right? If, if the children are asked by the parents to do something that is wrong, to do something that is not honoring to the Lord, the children have the right to refuse, And in the same way, Paul is saying, look, even though your masters may not be saved, you are to obey them unless it crosses the line. You are to obey them unless they are wanting you to do something that would not be honoring to the Lord, right? Look, I would love not to pay taxes, right? I mean, that's just me personally, right? I would love not to. You might like to, and that's fine, right? Me, I would prefer not to, right? I'd like to keep everything that I earn, right? I, wouldn't like, I don't want to give it to anybody, right? But you know what? The Bible has placed the government in our, as authority over us. And the Bible says we are to honor the government. And so if the government puts a tax here, I have to honor that. The only time that God gives me as a Christian the right to disobey the government is if it goes against the laws of God, That's the line. That's the boundary, right? As a pastor, right, I am to obey the word of God, but I I am still a citizen of this country, and I am still to obey the laws of this country unless it goes beyond what God has said. Now, I'm thankful that we live in a free country, and I'm thankful that I can get up, and I can preach, and and I I can do all these different things, but if the government comes in and says, hey, you cannot preach against certain things, and you have to hire certain people, and you have to marry certain people, then if it goes against God and his word, then I have the right and the responsibility to stand up and say, I will not do that. I won't do it, right? And this is what Paul is saying. Look, unless it goes against God, right? Look, you may not enjoy scrubbing floors if that's what you're doing as a servant, Right? You may not enjoy doing that, but that doesn't go against God. You may not enjoy going out to the field and working 12 hours a day and, and harvesting that, that weed or whatever it is, but that doesn't go against God. You see what he's trying to help them understand is as a servant, even though this may not be the situation that you want to be in, as a Christian, you are to obey them as unto Christ. So in other words, if they're just telling you to do just normal things, you're to do that unless it goes beyond what God has given them authority to do. And so Paul is is trying to help these believers. And again, I I cannot imagine the life that many of them must have been under. I can't imagine many of the the atrocities that were probably committed during this time with these slaves. And and because, again, think about it. At this time, slaves were treated pretty much like dirt. They were property. They they were not even considered really humans, even though they're human beings. So I can't imagine what they must have been going through. But now they've, they've found hope in Jesus Christ. They've heard the gospel and, they, and they've put their faith in Christ and they've, they've repented of their sins and they've, they've turned to Christ. And now they're saying, okay, now what are we supposed to do? Now, we're a Christian. Now what do we do? We're a follower of Jesus Christ. And as a Christian and as a slave, what do I do now? And so Paul writes this letter and, and includes them in this idea. And, and again, he's talking about walking in wisdom here. 
walking in wisdom and walking in obedience to Christ. And so notice what he says. Be obedient to them that are your masters according to the flesh with fear and trembling. So notice he says we're, they were to obey with fear and trembling. And again, he, he's using this not with fear and trembling toward the masters that were there, but he says with fear and trembling and singleness of heart as unto Christ. They were to serve with fear and trembling as unto the Lord. What does that mean with fear and trembling? It's not out of fear for your life or, or what, what we would think of necessarily with fear, but that, that word fear is, is a, it's, it's a respect and it is uh, a desire not to bring any reproach, right? There's uh, upon the name of the Lord. And so he's saying, hey, as you're serving, remember, hey, remember, you're the greatest master that you have is not that man that you're working for. The greatest master you have is Jesus Christ. That's who you belong to. Now, maybe they, maybe they bought you out of that slave market, and they took you home, and, and they said, this is what you're supposed to do. But he says, hey, if you're a Christian member, he's not your real master. Jesus is. That's the one who we're really serving, right? And so he says, serve with fear and trembling. You should serve with, with reverence to that one who is, is in charge of you, but at the same time, understanding that this is serving the Lord. I'm doing it as unto the Lord. So again, the same thing, whatever job we may have, right? Whatever job that you have, God says, hey, you have to recognize you're not working for that person who's giving you a paycheck. You're not working for that company who's giving you this job or this position or this opportunity or whatever. Who you're really working for, if you're a Christian, is the Lord. That's who you're really working for. And so when you're working, make sure you're doing it with fear and trembling as unto Christ. Right? We're wanting to bring honor to the Lord Jesus Christ. We're wanting to show what he is about, not what we're about. We're to show what he is about. We're to work with fear and trembling before the Lord, desiring not to bring any reproach to the Lord's name, respecting and obeying those in authority over us, our employer, as unto the Lord. Notice he says also in verse number, uh, in verse number five, in singleness of heart, right? So he says we're to work with singleness of heart. That, that idea of singleness of heart means with purpose, means with focused attention, right? With singleness of heart. It's in sincerity, with, without pretense, it's without hypocrisy. It means we understand what we're supposed to do and we're going to make sure to get the job done, right? If whatever our job may be, you know, maybe it's, maybe it's going out into the fields and, and getting that harvest done. We're going to go out there and we're going to do it to the very best of our ability. Maybe it is, uh, uh, you know, vacuuming floors or cleaning toilets. Maybe it's a janitorial work, whatever. Hey, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to do it to the very best of my ability. There is a singleness of heart here, he's saying, right? So whatever job that God has placed you at, right? And I understand tonight here, there are all kinds of, of jobs that are represented here tonight. But the thing is, it doesn't matter what kind of jobs are represented. What matters is, as God says, do it with singleness of heart, right? Whatever it is, you do it as unto the Lord, right? Whatever it is, don't be hypocritical about it, be sincere about it, right? We're gonna be totally committed to our work. And this is why I think he starts here, he says, with singleness of heart. Why? It begins in our heart. What is our heart attitude about what it is that we're doing? Now, 
I didn't say, what is your attitude about your job, okay, right? Because everybody has whatever attitude they want to about their job, okay? Some people love their job, you know? There's just some people that they just cannot wait to get up in the morning and go to their job, right? Anybody in here like that? You know, maybe. Jay is like that. Wow, I did not know that. Well, thank you for letting us know that, Alex. That's great. Now we know uh, who the weirdo is in here, right? No, uh, <laughs> no I, I don't think people just naturally like, man, I just can't wait to go to my job. I'm just so thrilled. I just love my job so much. I can't wait to spend another eight hours there, right? Uh, I mean, most of us would be like, you know, hey, if, if we could set our own schedule, we might go into work, <laughs> right? I mean, you know. But he's saying, hey, whatever your job is, you're to do that with singleness of heart. You know what? I remember when I was in college, um, I, I worked for a landscape company. And uh, I thought working for a landscape company, when, when I started there, I thought, man, this is going to be a great job. I love working outside. I love, you know, I like cutting grass. I like weed eating. I like doing all that kind of stuff. Landscaping, you know, you're going to probably going to, you know, be making decorations and things like this. And, and I was so excited to start. And uh, the first day I showed up at the job, and uh, John, my boss, he's like, all right, I'm going to have you go out with this crew over here, and uh, you're going to be doing some work with them. And he handed me the tool that I was to use. It was about this long, had a wooden handle at the end, and at the end it had a little fork on it. I thought, what in the world is this? How are you supposed to cut grass with this thing? You know, what, what is this? I'd never seen one before in my life. And I said, all right. I said, what am I supposed to do with this? I said, what is this? He said, oh, this is the greatest tool that's ever been invented. It's called a weed puller. I said, what? He said, yep, it's a weed puller. You stick that fork in the ground, you pop the weeds out. That's landscaping? He said, yeah, you're going to go with this crew, and you're going to go around, and, and they'll be doing the mowing, and they'll be doing the, the weed eating, and they'll be doing the flowers and stuff, and you're going to go around to all the flower beds, and you're going to take that little tool, and you're going to stick it in the ground and pop those weeds, and stick it in the ground and pop those weeds. Ah, you got to be kidding me. This is not what I signed up for. And so all day long, I would go, and I would sit on the ground, right? Sitting on the ground, sitting by these stupid flower beds that I hated now, right? And I got this, and especially this, those weeds that have that little milky stuff in them, those things should be in hell, I'm telling you. They, they really should, okay? Because they, I mean, you, you can't ever get the root. They go so far down, you just break them off, right? And the boss is like, now make sure you get the root. You know, that's what this whole thing is for, to get really down in there and get that root, right? So I'm like trying to get down in there as far as I can with this stupid stick and, and I, breaking off these things. I'm like, this is ridiculous. And then all those things, they, they, they break off. They got that milky stuff on them and it's sticky and it gets all over your hands. And I'm like, I hate this job. I mean, I was really excited about starting this job. I was going to work landscaping and I, this was going to be great. I, I was going to do it. And they stuck me with pulling weeds. I thought, Lord, please, they're mowing. Let me get on one of those. I'll weed eat. Right? I'll, I'll get the backpack blower. I'll blow. But get me out of the weeds. That should be a message. I should come up with a message. Get me out of the weeds, right? I did that for months. Months. 
And the only reason I did it was because I had to pay a college bill. <laughs> but you know what? I can, I'm, I'm telling on myself here. Right? I don't know that I, <laughs> I don't know that I had singleness of heart when I was pulling those weeds. Right? I, I don't think I could just say, I just really love this job. Right? But here's what I did. I did it. I did the job. I hated it, right? I hated those weeds. And thank God, after, after a couple months, he finally got me out of the weeds and, and he put me on a mower and I was like, hallelujah, this is heaven, right? But you know what? I did it. Why? Because that was my job to do, right? And here's what was great about it. After, after about a month, what was even greater, you know, that really, I really started to enjoy this is because he gave me some other guys and I got to train them. I got to train them on how to use a weed puller. I'm telling you, I was high cotton right there, man. I mean, it, it takes some pretty serious knowledge to know how to use one of those things. But do we do the work that God has enabled us with singleness of heart? Because, again, it begins in our heart, right? And here's why this is so important, because notice what he says next. Not with eye service as men pleasers. You know what would have been really easy to do sitting out there in those flower beds with all those weeds around? It would have been really easy just to sit there and do nothing. I mean, really, my boss isn't going to come by. He's not going to come by and look. He's back in the office, Right? What, what, I mean, is it really going to matter? I mean, eventually it's going to get cold anyway and the weeds are going to die. So what's, what's the point, right? It would have been very easy just to decide, you know what, I'm just not going to, you know, I'll come out here because I'm getting paid to come out here, but I'm just not going to pull the weeds. I'm not going to use this wonderful tool that God has blessed me with, you know. I, I'm not going to do that. But here's the thing. I wasn't serving my boss. I wasn't working for him. I was working for the Lord. And here's what was really amazing about this is because as, as I would do this, and I don't know, I'm starting to think now that maybe I was like one of the only guys that would actually do this, which is why he had me do it for so long because nobody else would do it. But as other guys got to come on, they, you know, everybody's on the low end of the totem pole when they get started, right? So guess who they got stuck with? me and I started realizing all these new guys that would be hiring on I got stuck with them or they got stuck with me however they wanted to look at it and guess what I got to do all day long with these guys pulling weeds right next to me I got to share the gospel I got to talk about Jesus. I got to tell them about wh where I came from and how you know they would you know the the, the question that would always get them hey where are you from Africa Are you sure? Yeah, pretty much. And I got, I got to be able to share the gospel with guys that I would have never been able to share the gospel with if he wouldn't stuck me on weed patrol. <laughs> you see, what is the purpose of what we're doing? A lot of times we just think, well, the purpose of my job is just to make money so I can pay my rent, so I can pay my kids' school bills and, and buy them the things that they want and take a vacation. No, 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 friend. That's not the purpose of your job. 
And this is what he says. Not with eye service as men pleasers, but as the servants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart. Now look, that must have been absolutely hard for these believers to fathom that, wait a minute, you're telling me to do this with that this is the will of God for me to, to serve and to be a slave? Come on. Put yourselves in their shoes, right? You're a slave. You're treated like dirt, like garbage. You're, you're property. And Paul's saying, by the way, do this with the right heart because it's God's will. That's a hard pill to swallow, right? I mean, come on, think about it. And we think it's tough where we have to go to work. We think it's tough to to be obedient to God where we have to go to work or where it's air-conditioned and we get breaks and we get, you know, time off, we get insurance and we get all these different things and then we still complain, Right, And this is what he's saying. Hey, we've got to make sure that we realize that this is not about pleasing men. This is about the Lord Jesus Christ as servants of Christ doing the will of God from the heart. And this is why God tells us in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse number 20, that we are to glorify God both in our body and in our spirit, which are God's. When we accepted Christ as our Savior, we belong to him now. We're his. And so he says his will for us is to do this in such a way that it honors God. This is God's will. When we go to work, we are to to work with a single-minded heart. We're to work with, with all of our might. We're to work and do such a great job. For our boss? No. For the Lord. That's who we're working for. That's who we're trying to honor. That's who we're trying to show what we're doing. And this is what he says in verse 7. With goodwill doing service as to the Lord and not to men. Again, I, I can't imagine what many of these believers must have been thinking when they got this letter from Paul. Doing goodwill? Doing goodwill, Paul? I'm not treated with goodwill. I'm not treated kindly. I'm not treated with respect. And you're saying I should work with good will? Like I want what's good for them? I should work in a way that I'm trying to help them? Paul says, yeah. Not because of them, though, but because of the Lord. Look again what he says. With good will doing service as to the Lord and not to men. Now, here's what's really interesting. Why would he say to do this in goodwill. Why would he say to do this as to the Lord and not to men? What is, what is the reasoning behind this, right? Because Paul understands the situation that they're in. Paul understands that it's, it's not good. But can I ask you a question? Where is the world truly going to see what a Christian is like? Where is the world truly going to see what a Christian is like? It's not in the home. That's not where they see what a Christian is really like. It's not in church. This is, they expect this, right? But where the world truly sees what a Christian is like is on the job. How do you act on 
the job. When you're not in church with all your, your Christian friends, when you're not at home with your family, right, how are you going to respond on the job? In a way that is done in such a way that is going to point not to your boss, but is going to point to Jesus. So that others can see Jesus through you in your life. You understand, a, a servant, somebody who is a slave, would never want the goodwill of the master. Never. Why? Because I'm treated like dirt. Why would I want the goodwill for him? Why would I want what's best for him? And, and here's where I think, again, it comes back to the, the singleness of heart. Uh, I, I love the passage in, in the book of Genesis where you have Abraham's servant. And Abraham had a servant. His name was Eleazar. And Eleazar was, was a faithful man. And, and the Bible doesn't tell us when Eleazar started serving Abraham and things like this, but, but he was a servant. And Eleazar had proven himself over and over and over and over and over to Abraham in such a way that Eleazar was in charge of everything that Abraham had. I mean, everything. And we know Abraham was pretty well off, right? I mean, he was so well off that Lot and him had to part ways because there wasn't enough, enough room for all the, 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 the animals to feed and things like this, right? So they had to part ways. I mean, he was so well off that he was able to uh, basically have a small army. I mean, when Lot gets, gets captured and Abraham arms his servants and they go out and they defeat an army, I mean, he's, he's pretty well off, I would say. And when Abraham says, hey, I need to find a wife for my son Isaac, he says, Eliezer, I'm going to entrust you with this. Excuse me? You're going to entrust me with finding a wife for your son? Now, please, I understand that, that no doubt Abraham has probably treated Eliezer well. But through all of this, we see in, in Eliezer's everything that he says, everything he does, he has one purpose, and that is the good of Abraham. Everything he does is for the good of Abraham. Right? It's all about Abraham. It's not about him. It's all about Abraham. It's the good of Abraham. And as a Christian, this is what he's, as Paul is writing to these Christians, he's saying, look, as a servant, this is how you need to, to live and this is how you need to serve. You should serve for the good of your master because here's what's going to happen. And you tell me if I'm wrong here, right? Just not out loud, okay? Um, so if you're, if you're a servant here and you're being treated like dirt, you're being treated like nothing. And all of a sudden, you start serving for the good of your master, right? You start doing things that are not expected of you. You start doing things that are not required of you. And you're trying to promote his good. And the master starts seeing what's going on. He starts seeing, wait a minute, I didn't tell him to do that, but he did it anyway. And, and that could have cost me a lot. And because of what he did, he saved me from being out a bunch of money or being in a bad situation. I mean, look what he's doing. And, and I have been treating him like dirt. And look at all that he's doing for me. Not because I've told him to. Not because he has to. He's doing this because he wants to. He's doing this for my good. Now you tell me that's not going to affect the master somehow. You tell me that's not going to affect what, how he is looking at these servants. I mean, he's got maybe all these servants. He's, maybe he's got 20 servants. I don't know. But there's one that calls himself a Christian. And this one keeps doing things that are, are for my good. And this one is doing things that are out of the ordinary and, and working longer and finishing the job. And they're, just, they're always 
doing what's right. They're always making sure that I am taken care of as the master. You're going to tell me that that one out of the 20 isn't going to be noticed and that master is going to say, there's something different about this man here. There's something different about this woman here, right? You've heard me say this before. I truly believe that a Christian ought to be the best worker that there is on a job site. A Christian ought to be the best one, right? Shouldn't be lazy, shouldn't be goofing off and things. And look, I understand that you can have fun with, with coworkers and things like that. That's not what I'm talking about. But, but a, a Christian ought to be known on the job site as being the hardest worker and, and being on time and being honest and things. Why? Because we're not doing it for the job. We're not doing it for a promotion. We're not doing it for our employer. We're doing it for the Lord. That's what our goal should be. And this is what Paul is saying to them. Hey, this is what you need to do. And by the way, when you do this, watch what he says. Verse number eight. Knowing that whatsoever good thing any man doeth, the same shall he receive of the Lord, whether he be bond or free. He said it doesn't matter if you're a slave or if you're not a slave. If this is how you live your life, guess what's going to happen? God's going to reward you for it. God's going to reward you. Why? Because you're doing it for him. Not, not for this man that you're working for, not for the, your employer, you're doing it for the Lord. Now, that doesn't mean necessarily you're going to get promotions and you're going to get raises, and things like that, but God says he's going to reward you. God's going to make sure you're taken care of. Why? Because it's done for him. And as we work, whatever job we're in, we ought to desire to do the very best we can. We ought to do the very best we can in, in having to, the goodwill of the one that we're working for, for the Lord trying to make sure that the Lord is pleased with what we do. And God says, when you do that, and there is a biblical principle, the Bible says you reap what you sow. You reap what you sow. You do this, God says you do it right, you do it the way I want you to do it, you'll reap what you sow. By the way, you don't do it the way you're supposed to, you don't do it the way God says to, you reap what you sow. And so God says to the employer, or excuse me, to the employee, Hey, there's a right way to work with singleness of heart, with fear and trembling. Work as if we're serving the Lord, with good will for the one that we're serving. But then he says, and we'll look at this just very briefly here, verse number nine. He says, and ye masters, right? So those that are employers, you have people working for you, you have people under you, right? It's very simple. Watch what he says. Do the same thing. Do the same thing, right? We don't have to elaborate a whole lot on this, right? He says, do the same thing. If you have somebody working for you, do the same thing to them, right? He said, I've just told the employees what they're supposed to do, right? They are to work with singleness of heart, and, and they're to do the very best because they're, they're serving the Lord and things. And he says, ye masters, do the same things unto them, forbearing threatening, knowing that your master also is in heaven. Neither is there respect of persons with him. There were some Christian masters that had gotten saved. There were masters that had gotten saved. And he says, hey, you make sure you treat your employees in a way that is honoring to the Lord. You make sure you treat those that are working for you in a way that is honoring to what God would be pleased with. Not with threatenings, not, not yelling, not threatening, not chewing them out. That's what he says. Forbearing threatening. Again, think about this. If this person is nothing but a piece of property, 
You can say, hey, you better do this or I'll take your life from you. Seems harsh, but could they do it? In that day, yes. He says, no, nah, that's not how you're supposed to be. Hey, you better, you, better, you better get this done or I'll fire you. He says, is that really how you ought to be as a Christian? Employer? Threatening? Look, I understand there might be some times that somebody needs to be fired. I, I get that, right? But he says, as an employer, you are to treat them the same way that you want them to work for you. You're to treat them the same way that God wants them to please you. Are you doing, the go- are you doing goodwill to them, right? He says, do the same things unto them. Treat them in a way that is honoring to the Lord. Treat them with respect. Have a heart to be able to share the gospel with people. Again, why has God brought you these employees? Just to get a job done? Just so you can get your paycheck done? No, no, no. There's a reason for it. Maybe God's brought you these employees so that you can be able to share the gospel with them. I'll never forget Tony. <laughs> I've probably mentioned Tony before. Tony was, was my uh, crew chief, if you want to call him that. And uh, Tony was the guy, if I didn't have a crew, I'd go out with his crew. And Tony was just a, a Tennessee, well, Tony was a Tennessee redneck, okay? That's what Tony was. And, uh, you know, just a good old boy, you know, always talking about hunting and fishing and stuff. And, you know, um, Tony would get in there and he'd, you know, he'd crank up his country music and all this stuff. I mean, just a good old country boy. But I, I'm so thankful that over and over the times that I got to spend with Tony and share the gospel with him. As far as I know, Tony never got saved. But as often as I would share the gospel with him and talk about the Lord and things, Tony began to realize there was something different. And when we'd have new guys, and, you know, and I, I understand, I, I worked in the world, I wasn't expecting a Christian environment. These guys would come in foul mouth and things like this, and as soon as they'd get into the truck, Tony would say, hey, guys, None of that talking in this truck. And they'd look at Tony like, what are you talking about, man? We're going to talk the way I want. He'd be like, no, none of that talking in the truck. He's like, see this guy right here? He's a preacher. I wasn't a preacher. <laughs> I was just a college student. But he's like, he's a preacher. We're not going to be talking like that in front of him. And Tony, just a good old boy, began to realize, you know, there's something different about him. We're not going to, we're not going to talk that way. Hey, there were plenty of other guys that did. But Tony's like, not in this truck. We're not going to do that. We're not going to play all this rock music and stuff like that. And I'm thankful that God allowed me to have an opportunity to work with Tony, to be able to share the gospel with him. There are many others that God brought into my, into my crew that I was able to work with and share the gospel with. I know of one that got saved through that, right? What is our purpose in this? It's not just to get a paycheck. It's not just to take care of our family, although God wants us to do that. Pay off the mortgage, pay off the car, all these different things. No, why does God want us to do this? Why does he want us to work this way? It's to please the Lord. To be able to have opportunities to share Christ. Because as people begin to look and say, there's something different about this guy. Wouldn't it be great for employees to look at their employer and say, you know what, there's something different about this employer. I mean, this guy's different. Other, other places I've worked for, man, they cuss you out. They call you all kinds of names. But this guy, hey, you might mess up and he might get mad, but there's something different about the way he treats you. He actually cares about you. He actually cares about what's happening in your life. There's something different about him. 
Hey, that employer looks at you working. He's like, you know what? Of all the people that are here, there's one person that I could not do without, and it's that guy right there. There's something different about him. Is it that we're doing it to impress men? No, it's not about men. It's about the Lord. And this is what Paul is trying to give us instruction here. If we're going to walk in wisdom, even on the job, there's a reason why. It's so that God is pleased with how we're working. God is pleased with the environment that we're in as far as what we're doing. And if we are an employer, if we have people that work for us, God's pleased with how we are treating them because there's one purpose behind it all, and that is Jesus Christ, and to try to share Christ with them. Can we pray tonight? Father, we do thank you for your word. And Lord, I pray that you help us to understand how important this is. Lord, even those that are retired, those that are, are, are at home, Lord, everything that we do ought to be done in such a way that brings honor and glory to you. Lord, the people that we do business with, they ought to know there's something different about us. When we go to a restaurant and some, somebody gets our order wrong, are we going to respond the same way the world responds and get mad at them and cuss them out and things? Or are we going to show the love of Christ to them and say, hey, you know what? You're having a bad day. Let me tell you somebody, somebody loves you. We're going to share Christ with them. Lord, help us to realize it's not about us. This life that we're living as a Christian, it's not about us. These believers that Paul was writing to can't even imagine, Lord, what many of these believers must have gone through as slaves. Lord, we have it so good. Our work environments and all the benefits and things that we have, Lord, we have, we have it good. But Lord, help us to, to work, to live in a way that brings honor and glory to you. Help us to use the, the environment that we have, that you place us in, whether on the job or at home or wherever it might be, to remember that it should be about Jesus Christ and trying to show others the difference that Christ has made in our life that he can make in theirs. So, Father, I pray you'd help us in this. Lord, we need good Christian workers. We need good Christian employers to help people to come to know Jesus and help us to remember our purpose and what you'd have for us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. God bless you for being here tonight. Again, don't forget about several things we have coming up uh, this week. And, of course, uh, Bible Institute tonight. Uh, but uh, several things this week with, uh, uh, of course, Wednesday night. And uh, then, of course, this weekend as well. All right? God bless you. You are dismissed.